0: Hi, welcome
1: back to Meditate with Samara. In this episode, I'm very excited to introduce you to someone that I really look up to. His name is Paul Tioto. Paul is a yoga and meditation teacher, and he is a musician from Los Angeles. Paul has taught approximately 4,000 yoga classes, and he has received his 5,000 now. So Paul is here just nodding and, and telling me it's 5,000. So that's updated. And he okay. received his 200-hour certification through Yoga Works and has worked in several main studios in California. In 2016, he was named the number one yoga teacher in Los Angeles by the culture trip. And in 2017, he moved to Indonesia with his partner, which I love, his, his wife, Leah Santa Cruz, and got hired from the world-famous yoga barn in Ubud. So Paul here is my yoga teacher when I trained from uh, yoga teacher training back in 2019. And also, Paul has two albums on Spotify named A Journey to Center, his own personal fusion of a mindfulness meditation and original pieces written on acoustic guitar, and also Santa Cruz, Indonesia. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. For-
2: Thank you. That, you just made me feel really good. That was a nice intro. Uh- <laughs>
1: Thank you so much. I'm glad that you felt so. I I want you to feel very welcome and comfortable while we're talking, of course.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's it's great to be here. I'm so uh, excited to talk to you and I'm so impressed and proud of you and your journey and all that you're doing in the world and your sense of adventure and the way that you're really inspiring to other women. Uh, It's really a beautiful thing to see.
1: Honestly, thank you so much. It means so much coming from you. My heart is just really warm listening to that right now. I think this think it's gonna be wow. a very positive talk. <laughs> so, what have you been up to right now?
2: Uh, what have I been up to? Uh, I, my wife and I, currently live in Bali, Indonesia, still. And um, ever since coronavirus happened, right around March fifteenth, the yoga barn closed. We were closed from March fifteenth until July fifteenth. So that was a four straight months and uh it has been an amazing lesson in how to be non-reactive to things that you can't control and i think that that really is one of the core lessons of yoga is i need to learn how to respond to life versus react to life and i have been um very imperfect there have been times of course when i've been responding uh out of fear or sadness or anger. Um, But I will say that after thousands and thousands of yoga classes and thousands and thousands of meditation classes, both that I've taken as a student and that I've taught, um, I've been really impressed by the tools that that meditation and yoga have given me. Mm. And one of the things that my teachers said to me, one of my teachers said to me is that all yoga and meditation do is they make the moments of fear smaller and smaller and smaller, mm-hmm. and the moments of clarity and peace bigger and bigger and bigger. It doesn't mean the fear goes away; it just means that it's it's shrunken and it gets smaller and smaller. So, yeah, I moved my business online, and uh, I've done a few trainings uh, with my friend Byron, and I'm doing another one right now uh, with a company called East West. They're pretty good. And then Byron and I are going to offer another power yoga teacher training, probably online if they don't open up the borders in Bali, probably online around October. So uh, learning to teach yoga and meditation virtually has been, um, it's been a journey. And I thought that I originally would not enjoy it. And I thought that I originally um, would not be able to teach the students as well however i'm finding that certain things work really really well online yeah
1: thank you so much for sharing that i think honestly it's just very humbling to hear you say about your journey and the process and your reflection about it and i have been following you online with your online video classes and i really have to be very thankful for you because you have helped me in the isolation in my 20 meter square studio, still be active, still try to smaller my fear, like as you say, and increase the clarity because especially in moments like this, uncertainty is happening to everyone across many different things. And I think there's a lot of time for people to self-reflect and I'm just really appreciative and grateful that you just experienced and shared that with us.
2: Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, it's a a wild time for everyone. It's the the most profound year that the world has had since probably World War II. I I think there there hasn't been anything this big um, in 80 years.
1: Yeah, you make a really good point. Everyone is experiencing something like this in different degrees. And um, you mentioned about you learning and a quote from your yoga teacher so how long have you been practicing yoga right now
2: yeah i've been practicing yoga for 12 years now started practicing in los angeles california which is um you know los angeles is known as the fitness capital of the world so the fitness aspect of yoga is fantastic but underneath that there's amazing amazing meditation teachers there's amazing bhakti yoga and the there's a lot of soul in the yoga community in los angeles which a lot of people wouldn't they wouldn't think that they think like oh hollywood everybody wants to go to the beach they all want to look good yeah. uh, and there's definitely that side of it but there's a very very good community there that goes a lot deeper than just the physical practice so i founded it uh, 12 years ago and um Fell in love with yoga at a time in my life when I was really miserable, really unhappy. Uh, I was pursuing a career as an actor and I loved acting, but I really just couldn't handle the business side of acting. It just made me feel very impure and very inauthentic and uh, could not bring myself to fit in to the business side of it. But I loved the creative and artistic side of it so much. so. In order to deal with all of the spiritual turmoil that was going on inside of me, I started playing guitar several hours a day, and I started practicing yoga every day, and became really obsessed with those two things—obsessed, I would say, in a good way.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, <laughs> and then now, you know, fast forward—you know, twelve years later—now uh, it's what I do for a living. So, you know, I spent several years just practicing yoga and playing guitar for the love of it. And I think I was very detached to those two things. And I was very attached to acting, very attached to like the idea of having a career, the idea of like, you know, changing the world uh, with my voice as as an actor. And I think there's a lesson to that, the yoga lesson is because I was grasping so tight, nothing opened up. There was no space for anything to open up. And there was no grasping with yoga and music, and things were able to flow pretty easily. Uh, once I became a yoga teacher and, and uh, started my path, I, I've been very fortunate. I've been very lucky.
1: Yeah. Thank you for sharing your personal journey. It's really inspiring because I, I have the feeling that yoga initially attracts a lot of people who are experiencing This what you so-called like a a turmoil or a stage in their life when they're quite low in consciousness or just low in energy in general and they found something like either yoga or meditation and they can explore themselves more authentically and go into the path. Like I can also feel the similar feelings, but of course the different path, but it's really beautiful that these things that happen in your life that I can now meet and talk to you in person.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I always say like, if I didn't spend a few years of my life, absolutely miserable, I really wouldn't have anything to teach. Mm. Like I had to go through my own humbling and my own dark night of the soul in order to be able to give anything to my students. If my life had been one smooth ride, I don't think I, I would be relatable to people. So I think, uh, you know, if if we're asking to, to make a real big difference in the world, I think one of the things that that the universe needs to give us is they need to knock us down. Mm. And then it's the journey of getting knocked down and cr- crawling back up and standing back up and running. Uh, that gives us something to give and something to contribute. And uh, yeah, I think in order to, to have make a real contribution to the world I know for me like I needed to spend a few years suffering
1: thank you thank you for that so within this initial journey that you mentioned before you also found your love to to guitar did your meditation come from there or did you also have formally meditated and then you start teaching meditation and and with your guitar as well?
2: Well, I I believe that playing guitar is a meditation, especially when you're able to, once you've played for a few years Mm -hmm. and you're able to play without thinking and just kind of be in the flow, Mm -hmm. that's a meditation. So I've been playing guitar for 26 years now. Wow. And I've been accessing that flow state for a long time. Uh, And I think that that's, for me, it's why when I found meditation, it was easy for me to sit. I could sit in meditation for 20, 30, 45 minutes pretty easily uh, right when I started meditating, which for most people I think is uh, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. But I think that's because I'm a musician and, and music was my gateway to meditation because they say when a meditator is meditating and when a musician is playing their instrument the same parts of the brain are lighting up. So ah. it's a very, yeah, very similar experience uh, uh, in the mind or different, different parts of the brain are experiencing electricity and blood flow. So um, the music was my gateway to meditation. But then when I started practicing yoga, mm. I went from writing, writing um, rock and roll songs and my music became more meditative. so it was like it just naturally started to happen i would come home from a yoga class and i would be able to write a piece of music pretty effortlessly Uh, it would come right out of me and i think that there's a very beneficial uh, relationship between creativity and meditation so meditation will help you increase your creativity
0: yeah yeah
1: i totally agree with that Um, An important point that I realized as I was listening to you talking is that a lot of discussions and or misconceptions about starting meditation is that you have to practice formal sitting. And for some people it is quite hard and that's why they stop. And, but there's also another part of meditation that is informally through without sitting practice, but you can also just enter a state of flow. Is that correct? Would you say something like that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think, the thing with meditation is uh it's very similar to acting as a as an actor because my teacher called it disguised virtuosity which means when an actor is doing something very complicated they're doing it so easily that they make it look easy whereas it's the same thing with meditation um to meditate and sit for an hour is not easy But an experienced meditator will make it look easy, but you don't see the thousands of hours behind the scenes that allowed that to happen. So I think a a big misconception is that if you're meditating, you should be able to find two minutes of thoughtlessness. Mm -hmm. And I I just say that's that's not realistic. If you can find five seconds of space in between your thoughts. Yeah. And then three seconds. And then seven seconds. And all of that is kind of like compound interest. And it all kind of adds up in your bank account, your bank account of well being, I guess you could call
1: it. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That's actually a really, really good analogy. It makes me understand clearly what you what you're saying. So if our listeners here, uh, majority maybe have not practiced yoga or meditation yet, do you have any suggestions on where they can start if they're really a beginner?
2: Well, my wife has this beautiful app that she is the voice of called Balance. Yeah. And it's it's very similar to Headspace, but I think it's actually a superior app. And um, they have tons of different tools to help you learn how to meditate because paying attention to the breath works for some people. Repeating a mantra works for some people, body scan works for some people, um, but not everyone's the same. So it's, it's like mu- meditation is like music. Some people like rock and roll, some people like classical, some people like um, jazz, some people like R&B, and it, you know, they're all music. It's very important for a beginning meditator to find the type of music, meaning the type of meditation that yeah. you resonate with. And then once you start to appreciate jazz, then you'll start to appreciate classical. Mm. And then you'll start to appreciate r and And then you'll start to appreciate gospel. So I've been meditating long enough now where I have several different techniques that I use. But it's really important for a beginning meditator to find the technique that works for them and to find a teacher that really encourages the student just to except where they're at at the beginning so again we're trying to find three seconds of space in between thoughts five seconds of space in between thoughts eight seconds we're not trying to find two minutes of thoughtlessness that's not realistic
1: yeah that's really important so while meditating initially just try to do it try to experience it if i can recap um Mm -hmm. and one of the really nice platforms to try is an app called Balance, which um, Leia Santa Cruz, Paul's wife, is voicing in it, and I've I've seen a lot of um, Leah's Meditation Monday, which talks about all the different things what's in balance. That's really good. So I will myself have to check it out because I honestly haven't, but I will. I would love to yeah hear yeah. from that. Yeah,
2: it's great. What what I would really recommend is is start meditating with A really good app and start meditating on YouTube and then once you've done it for a little bit you will eventually want to seek out a teacher Mm -hmm. to practice with regularly and that could be either do some privates um, and I would I would recommend a minimum of three um, and maybe ten at the most Mm -hmm. Um, and that teacher will help you develop a practice that works for you and then you'll be more suited to go out into the world and bring the practice into your own,
0: wow. um,
2: your own day-to-day life. So start with little meditations on YouTube or, or an app. Mm-hmm. And then once you get more comfortable, then go seek out a teacher, make sure that it's a teacher that comes recommended from people that you trust and, and love. So not just a fancy website, find somebody who who, you know who really resonates with you do three to five to ten privates with that person Um, or do an immersion you could do a you could do a a retreat meditation retreat or you could do a training Um, but you want to immerse yourself a little bit more deeply Um, and then hopefully you'll be able to have a home practice that you can do on your own and um, yeah and then eventually if it's becomes something that you want to teach to other people there's there's ways to do that but um, you want to have thousands of hours ex- of experience uh, before you try and teach other people how to do it that that would be my recommendation
1: yeah, yeah that's a really really great practical and effective effective recommendation I, I yeah. would know that there are steps that I still want to do for sure for sure yeah and um, you mentioned that you have been practicing yoga for for 12 years now. And I was really wondering, are there any type of important wisdom that you've shared while you are practicing or learning yoga? And why I ask this is because I feel really inspired when I take your classes, because you start your classes or you have wisdom words in the middle and the end of the practice with the gratitude and also initially with the intention. And when you say these things, it makes me feel very connected and sometimes have even aha moments when I'm just really connected to the mind and body. And I would really love to know if there are any things that you can share to our listeners.
2: Sure. With regards to just how I'm able to find inspiration or any of my favorite quotes, what do you mean?
1: Let's start with the favorite quotes maybe and how you find inspiration to some of those.
2: Okay. So Right now, one of my quotes that, I'm, that I really like is Sadhguru's quote. Sadhguru is the Indian yogi. I love it. And that. Um, I think what he says, what he said recently is, uh, uh, successful people are great people. They don't do big things. They do lots of little things in a big way. Mm-hmm. And that's just such a reminder for me because with my life, Right now, with this whole pandemic, it's I can't make big decisions. I, I don't know if I'm going to be living in Bali six months from now or a year from now. I, I hope so. Um, but I can make very small decisions every day that will keep me alert and surrendered to source and conscious and then able to help other people. So um, just remind, reminding myself. That you know, if we can do one thing a day consciously, it's better than trying to do ten things at once.
0: Yeah, yeah. You
2: know, I've, yeah.
1: That's really important. I've I've learned about um, that our our brain can't even multitask, and it's not a good thing. And focusing on one thing is the best way to go. And doing it in yeah. a big wow. I really like Sadhguru as well because you mentioned it in the yoga teacher training. I started to look him up, and I read his book um the engineering to the mind.
2: Inner engineering. Yeah, it's
1: great. Yeah, it was it was really eye-opening and um, he has a lot of wisdom on YouTube. So anyone who is interested in that can check Sadguru out on YouTube. Um, moving back towards you teaching yoga, what are the types of yoga do you teach?
2: Uh, Yes. So I teach primarily a vinyasa power yoga class. So my classes are known for being strong, but also safe. And I also incorporate a lot of inspiration and philosophy. So uh, my whole thing was, I really liked the classes that were very physical, but I also liked the classes that were more spiritual and usually the spiritual classes The teachers taught really soft, gentle classes, when I didn't like that, I needed more strength. And the physical classes didn't have a lot of heart to them. So my whole thing is I wanna bring both together. I want a strong, sweaty class that's accessible to everyone, that incorporates meditation and philosophy and spirituality in a way that is accessible and modern. Um, So in a nutshell, that's, that's what I teach mostly but I also teach some, uh, some yin yoga. I have a class called yin yang, which is incorporates ballistic stretching and uh, myofascial elasticity, which basically means pulsing. It's a lot of pulsing. Um, and then I lead guitar meditations and I, I teach, uh, mindfulness meditation as well. And, uh, so a little bit of everything, but I would say that what I'm mostly known for is, is the power of vinyasa. Um, but that's not, that's not just who I am as a teacher. You know?
1: of, course, of course, but it's so interesting that while you mentioned these classes, I remember my experience in one of these classes and it really feels authentically you. And that's the amazing part while well, spending 60 to one and a half hours within your classes. Uh, I was really wondering because I had this question from one of my friends about yin yoga with the benefits of of yin because my friend experienced crying in the first time in a yin yoga class and I did too. This was in the yoga barn. I was in a hip opener class and I just started tearing and I didn't know what was going on. So we did a few research, but it would be great if you can um, tell a little bit about what yin yoga is for example, compared to yin-yang or compared to vinyasa and why people can feel like these emotions during that particular um, yoga?
2: Yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. So yin yoga is, is a, it's a form of yoga that originated from martial arts and it actually started in America. So yin yoga is not Indian. It's not an Indian practice. It's a practice that, that originated from America and what you do in yin yoga is you hold poses for long periods of time. These are poses that, are, that don't require much effort at all. So they're deeply relaxing poses.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, you hold the poses long enough where your brain goes into the parasympathetic nervous system. And when you go into the parasympathetic nervous system, that's when the body really begins to relax physically. And what happens then is that the fascia, the connective tissue that surrounds our body, begins to soften and open up and our fascia is i think it's going to be shown more and more that a fascia is is kind of a a place um, a piece of our nervous system so it's not necessarily muscle it's more nervous system and it's where the story of the body is carried so we have uh an immune system that's designed to rid ourselves of Uh, viruses and bacteria and we also have a emotional immune system that can only really function when our body is in deep relaxation so when when the brain says on a very primitive level i am safe Mm -hmm. that means the body begins to relax and then anything that's toxic that's been stored inside of the body is able to be released and a lot of times that comes out as emotions Because we store emotions in the body. If we experience something stressful, what happens is the brain says, I'm in danger, tighten. Mm. And it tightens your fascia and it tightens your muscle. And a lot of times people don't know how to deeply relax. And they're living in a world that doesn't teach them the value of deep relaxation. So as they begin to deeply relax for the first time in a while, this response creates a release of emotions that are stuck in the body. And specifically, the hips, the shoulders and the neck, the forehead, the jaw, um, those are places where we store a lot of emotions. Also the hamstrings, the calves, there's lots of places where where we store emotions um emotional tension in the physical body so our emotions are just not something that we experience in the mind it's something that we experience in the body
1: yeah and and for these specific um body parts that you mentioned store a lot of this emotion why do they store that is that because we don't move as much or or is it just because it's a big area
2: yeah they store the emotions get, s- basically, energetically, they get stuck.
0: Mm. So they
2: get stuck because we're not moving.
0: Mm-hmm. I think
2: it's two things, not moving and not relaxing.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And relaxing means let go of control and surrender. And in the modern world, the word surrender, the word let go, um, is not necessarily considered a positive thing. It's not a positive thing to, anymore to surrender to God. Because we're so left-brained, we're so focused on logic and analytical that um, it's not taught to be something that empowers us. But surrendering and relaxing are so empowering because they allow the body to reset. They allow for moments of deep contemplation and for you to really release emotions and resentments and fear. And and really uh, there's an intelligence that rises up after that happens. So what happens is all all the time, if I put somebody in like a backbend and I can tell they're really stressed out and it's a a resting backbend, Mm -hmm. after a few minutes, if they're breathing deeply, they might start to cry and they might start to release something from the heart. And then after that release is gone, there's this intelligence that begins to rise up and then you know what to do. So I always say like, when was the last time that you did something really stupid when you were taking care of yourself?
1: Um, really stupid when I'm taking care of myself? I'm not sure.
2: We don't. We don't make dumb decisions when we're taking care of ourselves.
0: Yeah. When, when
2: the mind, the body, and the emotions, and the spirit, when they're all in good shape,
0: Yeah.
2: we are all very intelligent. Yeah. We make really dumb decisions when we're full of stress.
1: I love that. Yep.
2: So, what happens uh, when you deeply relax is that you release tension in the form of emotions or, you know, physical tension, whatever. And then, once that tension is released, you're flooded with intelligence and wisdom. And you know what to do. And there'll just be clarity about whatever situation you were going through.
1: Oh, that's amazing. I think that is going to be very useful for our listeners because especially in this moment, there's a lot of tension and stress. And even though you're indoors and not basically doing anything, you can relax, but you're not deeply relaxing as maybe that you can you can, and you should. Do you have any Yin yoga classes online?
2: I do. There's a few on my Facebook page. Um, and then I have some on, at theyogacollective.com. Okay. Which is where I have some more uh, more in-depth classes.
1: Okay, so two places. Your Facebook is called Paul Yoga. if anyone wants to check out. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Yep. And the second is...
2: It's called The Yoga Collective.
1: The Yoga Collective. Okay.
2: Yep. And okay. if you sign up and you put Paul25, you'll get a 25% discount.
1: Awesome. So theyogacollective.com and put in Paul25 for a 25% discount. That's amazing. I'm yep. going to do that right after this. Cool. Um, and after talking a lot about yoga, I just want to briefly talk about the meditation aspect in your practice and your teaching because you also teach mindfulness meditation. Um, what are your meditation practices right now, if I may ask?
2: Yes. Um, so I do a 15 to 20 minute practice. I would say six days a week there's one day a week where i might miss it Mm -hmm. um, and that's in the morning uh first thing when i get up and i do a combination sometimes i will do just breath awareness paying attention to my breath so if i notice i'm carrying any physical tension in my heart or my throat i'll just sit still and i'll breathe deeply and i'll use my breath to break apart my tension so it's a combination of breath awareness and what's called body scan and then some other mornings, I'll actually listen to a guided meditation. There's a, a few teachers that I that I like that I listen to. Sometimes it's balance. Sometimes it's an insight timer. Uh, and I'll listen to, to a teacher. Like this morning, I did a, a practice that was two minutes of breath of fire,
0: mm. three
2: minutes of nadi shodhana, which is alternate nostril breathing, and then 13 minutes of just uh, open awareness meditation. So that was this morning um and then another big part of it sometimes i do light therapy which is really beautiful you 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 sit in a chair and you get bombarded by flashing red light and the red light is really calming for the nervous system yeah it's really really cool
1: where can you do that i've never heard of that
2: before yeah they have a place in bali right down the street from me that I, i i do that um i don't know if they have it in jakarta but they have they have them here. Just yeah, you can look up like light therapy, and there, there's probably a place somewhere that yeah. has it.
1: That's the first yeah. time I've ever heard of it. Thank you for sharing. Um, just coming back to your meditation practice, you mentioned some breathwork practice, which is the breath of fire and the nadi shodana. Can you mm-hmm. explain to our listeners why is it important to do some breathwork in this meditation um, practice?
2: Yeah, yeah. So in, traditionally, with the uh, the yoga sutras, which is one of the, um, the oldest books about uh, yoga philosophy and the yoga practice, um, what you're meant to do before meditating is to do some movement. So asana, that's movement. Mm-hmm. And then a- after you do asana, uh, you do some breathing exercises. So flooding the body with oxygen is a great way to feel better. And it's just, mm-hmm. we know our bodies need oxygen to survive. And if you flood your body with oxygen through some breathing practices, um, you're going to feel more alert, more awake, but also calm. And mm. they, they kind of, um, they, they prime the body to, for deeper uh, levels of awareness and deeper levels of consciousness. So um, I, I don't do it every time, but um, learning how to breathe properly and learning how to breathe different techniques will transform your life. Mm-hmm. And being able to to do that before your meditation practice
0: mm-hmm.
2: is key, like yeah. super key. Yeah. yeah.
1: I love um, experiencing learning about that because I remember my first pranayama practice, which is the breathing practice, is from our yoga teacher training um, with you and Leah and Byron teaching separately. Also my first ujjayi breath was also in that lesson and in the session with Mark Whittle, but well, um, mm-hmm. he, helped me understand with um, inhaling as I go up and exhaling as I go down, but to do it as uh, a second before you actually move. So before you go down, you ex- start exhaling. And then before you go up, you start inhaling. And I think yes. that was like my longest breath that I had to do. And I nearly fainted. But then afterwards, I felt like really good. <laughs> so yeah. um, breathing, breathing is really one of the key. Um, practices as well in meditation and yoga. Awesome. So we are going to uh, finish and wrap up in a bit but before that I have uh, two questions from Instagram. if that's okay, Paul, you still have time Yeah yeah. yeah. So so one question um, from Miranda is how to stop negativity and self-sabotaging ourselves
2: That's a great question. Um, well, I think that there are two ways to stop negativity. One, to notice your environment. So if you're in an environment with people that are negative, or if you're watching a lot of news right now, the news is very fear-based. It's very negative. Um, If you're listening to music or television shows with a lot of violence or sadness, like, so just notice the effects that the environment take mm-hmm. causes so that that can have a significant impact on how we see the world uh, what we're putting into our systems um and then also allow the neg- negativity to be there so you don't want to try and push it down you want to acknowledge it and then breathe through it so perhaps uh, every time you exhale you feel the negative thought and you imagine the negative thought just leaving your system. Or if you feel the negative emotion in the body every, with every exhale, just breathe it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: And um, another thing that I did too, um, when I, when I used to experience, I used to be addicted to negative thinking and um, what I did to, to change that is when I caught myself going into a negative thought, I just said stop. Mm. And I stopped. And I said it lovingly to myself, but firm at the same time. Like it's no longer acceptable for me to start thinking this way. So I think that, you know, there's, there's the concept of self-love, yeah. which is really, really, really gentle and accepting. And there's also self-respect which is I need to hold myself to a higher standard now. Mm. So um, having a balance between the two was really important for me. So there were times when I really wanted to get rid of my negative thinking where I was really determined. And I would catch myself having a negative thought, being cynical or something, and I would just say, stop. Yeah. And then I would move on to something else. Yeah. And sometimes I had to say stop every minute.
0: Oh, my God. But there
2: was still that determination. Just stop.
0: I love that. But not
2: stop and push it down. Stop and allow it Mm. and move forward.
1: That's such an important lesson. And I resonate with what you said so much because I... I've also followed this saying to myself sometimes um, inwardly or outwardly out loud saying um, stop or enough or it's okay and stuff like that when there's a negative thought arise. And it's because I I learned meditation that I could be aware that these thoughts are arising and just to let it pass and not really control and, and hold it firm. So that is really important, thank you.
2: Yeah. And I think, you know, right now we need to be very careful because it's very normal to be negative. So like, it's very easy to get involved in like a negative conversation or an argument or whatever, because we actually, I think not we, but it's, it's very easy to actually feel more comfortable mm. in a state of pessimism and negativity right now. Than optimism because of what's going on in the world. Um, and that might be the case, but Eckhart Tolle said in one of his books in every moment of your life, try to find acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm about whatever you're doing.
1: Acceptance? He's like, enjoyment?
2: Acceptance, enjoyment, or enthusiasm. So acceptance is the lowest level. Mm-hmm. okay so so right now i am in acceptance of the fact that the airport in bali is closed yeah i'm in acceptance of the fact that i don't really have an in-person job right now i am not trying to find enthusiasm i'm not trying to be like oh i'm going to be so blissful and blah 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 no but i'm going to be in acceptance of it mm-hmm. okay so and in, in then enjoyment like i i enjoy the home that i live in because it's a, it's a beautiful home it's uh you know i i really i can relax here my wife who's pregnant feels very comfortable and safe here we have our dogs so that's enjoyment you know and enthusiasm is you know uh combining inner purpose and outer purpose so combining a love for something with an attitude of i'm going to make a positive impact on the world so that would be this podcast
1: Uh, Um, with you yeah yeah
2: so i think with negativity just try to find acceptance and surrender so this is again that whole attitude of acceptance and surrender are empowering they're not disempowering Mm
0: -hmm.
2: yeah
1: there's so much truth to this i love this just it's a lot of wisdom that you are sharing to me and to everyone listening, and I'm so, so appreciative. Um, one question, one last question mm-hmm. is um, when we're talking about our healing and well being, especially in this time of uncertainty, what are one of the principles that you can recommend to our listeners in order to take care of ourselves?
2: I think. As much as I want to say yoga and meditation, because I'm a yoga and meditation teacher, I think it's, it's really spending quality time with people that love you and people that you love. So really remembering that we are social animals and that we need to spend time with each other, not through a machine. Yeah. You know, face-to-face, in-person, spending quality time with people, that that we love. I think that's the most important thing that we can all do right now. And I think another thing that's really important is to release judgments because right now it's like if you believe this or you believe that, yeah. you know, people hate each other.
0: Yeah.
2: You know, especially in America, it's like there's no tolerance for somebody that believes differently than me and I see them as the enemy. Yeah. Um, and that that's a problem that's called in in yoga that's called devasa. it means rejection so it would be like oh you believe differently than me i'm going to reject everything that you're saying and i'm going to close my ears and i'm not going to be willing to listen to you yeah you know and that's just not acceptable
1: yeah we're in one of the more dividing times or one of the most divided times right now it's very important what you say to to stay connected with the people that you love and have that quality time. And also to you know, love yourself and not have that judgment to other people. Yeah. Thank you so yeah. much, Paul. I really love this conversation. Thank you so much for being here. And Oh,
2: thank you. Congratulations on all you're doing. I'm, I'm just so impressed by you as, as my student who's now out in the world making an impact. It's beautiful.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I draw a lot of inspiration from you, and I try my best with the little that I can do and I can um, control and put out. Thank you so much. So um, if you want to hear more from Paul Teodo or see one of his classes, he has online classes at the Yoga Collective and East West. What other places can we find you, Paul?
2: Uh, Probably the the best way to stay in touch with me is just to follow me on Instagram, Teodo Yoga Guitar. I have online classes. I'm going to be offering some retreats next year in Europe, uh, a teacher training in Bali. So lots of amazing opportunities to travel the world once the world reopens again. So fingers crossed that's soon.
1: Hopefully soon. Okay, so follow you on Instagram, Teodo Yoga Guitar. I will mm-hmm. put it in the description below, also probably with your Facebook page. And yep. from there, you can find the link tree, I think, for all of your resources.
0: That'd Yep, yep.
1: Okay, thank you so much, Paul, for your time. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank <laughs> you. So happy. Um, ah. I appreciate really your, your time and energy into um, sharing your experience and helping me and helping other people who are listening at the moment so really appreciate it thank you okay bye bye bye. thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this podcast episode i am so grateful that you chose to spend your time to listen to us and if you have found any inspiration or anything that you like during this conversation Please kindly follow on Spotify or subscribe on Apple Podcasts to make sure that you will also receive future content that is similar to
0: this. Thank you so much. Take care and namaste.